Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Well said, brazen face. You really lean into the the idea that this is so ridiculous. Yeah. As, as the wife, just you're making a fool of yourself. Are you not ashamed? Let the clothes alone. Uh, I am channeling a little bit of Ray Romano and a fair amount of George Costanza in, <laughs> okay. in this production. In Shakespeare's comedy, The Merry Wives of Windsor, women get the last laugh. And though it was published all the way back in 1602, it has all the pieces you'd need to build a modern sitcom. A cast of quick-talking characters, visual gags, hilarity, and, despite all the hijinks, a happy ending. Shakespeare didn't have a laugh track, but this summer, St. Louis's Shakespeare Festival is taking a very sitcom-inspired approach to its touring production of The Merry Wives of Windsor. And it's resulted in a version of the play that delivers growing pains, family ties, and yes, the struggles of being married with children. (laughs) What's no joke about this tour, though, is how many places it's going and when. Merry Wives of Windsor will be staged at 24 parks in St. Louis and the Metro East in the span of just 27 days. So it's a good thing that the actors performing this summer count this experience as really quite happy days. Here to talk about the show and what it means to put sitcom into Shakespeare, we welcome two performers from St. Louis's Shakespeare Festival. Christina Yancey, who's appeared in multiple Shakespeare productions in St. Louis, including last year's multi-park tour of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Christina, great to have you here. Thank you for having me. And Joel Moses, an actor and teaching artist in St. Louis, making his debut with the St. Louis Shakespeare Festival's annual touring production. Joel, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks to you both uh, for joining us today. Christina, let's start with an introduction to The Merry Wives of Windsor. It has a central character, Falstaff, who really wants to get married and things get very silly. What happens in this play? Yes, so Falstaff uh, comes into the town of Windsor, and he has one goal in mind, and that is to have an affair with Miss, Mrs. Ford, excuse me, and Mrs. Page. And when Mrs. Page and Mrs. Ford realize that at the end they've both received this letter, we are not flattered at all. How dare he decide to um, come to us when he knows we're married? And it's essentially these two women concocting a plan to get back at him. There are some subplots with love between younger characters, but at the heart of it, it's about two women getting back at a man who thinks he's above any type of law or, you know, he can get away with whatever he wants, and that's mm-hmm. not the case. <laughs> now, Joel, there's one interesting did you know bit of trivia about this play? And that is that it may be one of the first examples of fan fiction or fan service for one very particular figure, Queen Elizabeth I. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So a bit of the lore that surrounds this play is 
that Queen Elizabeth was so taken with the character of Sir John Falstaff, who appears in a number of Shakespeare's plays, uh, particularly the history plays King Henry, King Henry IV Parts One and Two, King Henry V. She loved this character so much that she asked Shakespeare to write a comedy about Falstaff and love, and he turned around in about three weeks and produced this play, this okay. script. So in love, very loosely. <laughs> now, both of you play multiple roles. Christina, you play um, one of the merry wives, and Joel, you play that wife's husband. So tell us a little bit more about who they are. Yes. So Mrs. Ford, she's the younger of the two Mary wives. And she's a young lady who's beautiful and she knows she's beautiful and she leans into that quite a bit. And in the beginning, when she initially comes in, she's actually kind of flattered by Falstaff, you know, approaching her. She's used to it. But when she realizes that her and Mrs. Page have both received a letter, it's it's not a flattering thing at all. Like, how dare you mm-hmm. approach both of us, you know? Um, and I am married to Mr. Ford, who is quite a jealous man, as yeah. Joel can attest to. <laughs> Tell us about Mr. Ford. Absolutely. So Mr. Ford is a man who has likely married a woman who's quite out of his league. Okay. Uh, he does get very jealous in this play. Uh, not that Mrs. Ford gives him any cause for his suspicion, uh, but I do learn that Falstaff is pursuing her. Uh, And I decide to disguise myself in the play to basically get intelligence from Falstaff and try to figure out what he's up to, which leads to a lot of hilarious situations and hijinks. And did either of you have, you know, other fictional or even real people in mind as you developed your interpretations of these characters, Joel? Absolutely. Uh, Because the concept for this play was to set it in a 1990s sitcom sort of world, we did talk quite a bit about, you know, characters from 90s sitcoms that relate to ours. So uh, I am channeling a little bit of Ray Romano and a fair amount of George Costanza in in this production. (laughs) Which together is sort of a... (laughs) An interesting combination. How about you? Yeah, uh, the director, Suki Peters, when we were talking about it, she very well wanted Mrs. Ford to be sort of a Peg Bundy type character, very boisterous, loud, Mm -hmm. full of life. And that's really the archetype she wanted to lean into, that young, beautiful wife who's, you know, the life of the party when she walks in. Yeah, With a, a husband who is much to be desired. But he has his, he has his wonderful... Attributes as, as, as it <laughs> That's were. very diplomatic. Yeah. I thank you for saying that. Thank you, you are welcome, <laughs> husband. So you are performing you know, in this very, very old play. We're talking more than 400 years mm-hmm. of performances, not, not necessarily every year, but that's a lot. And you're doing this as a, a 1990s sitcom. What is it about the Merry Wives of Windsor, just on paper, that reminds you of sitcoms? Oh, goodness. You know, I can remember being a little girl, and there was always somebody dressing in disguise, somebody always falling over, somebody always, you know, hiding from somebody. And those are all aspects that are already there in the script that Shakespeare had written in as sort of those hijinks, farcical moments. So the fact that those are already in this play that was written so many years ago, it already lends itself to being a very active and and in, in itself a very active show. Yeah. 
And was it also for you not too much of a leap to imagine it this Absolutely. way? Absolutely, yeah. I think, you know, Shakespeare is credited with creating a lot of genres, romantic comedy, situation comedies. So you do see those physical comedy gags, the sight gags, the mm-hmm. mistaken identity that you do see in a lot of 1990s sitcoms as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you've both been involved in other Shakespeare productions, including some pretty heavy tragedies. Joel, apart from you know The Merry Wives of Windsor being a comedy, what feels different about this play? Um, or is there anything similar? Because tragedy sometimes is very darkly comical. Yeah, and I, I think one of the great things about Shakespeare is even in the tragedies, you have these very great moments of comedy. And the same is true in the comedies. You have these very real human elements that come out and you see these moments of redemption in this play, these moments of characters reconciling. Uh, So it is different, but in a lot of ways it is the same as well. Mm -hmm. And you've been part, Christina, Mm -hmm. of multiple productions. Yes. So to this question, uh, yeah, what, what is it that sort of sets it apart or draws it sort of into the same circle? Drawing it into the same circle, I think at the heart of all Shakespeare plays, it's it's love, hate, redemption, you know, and in, in this play specifically, all of those are there. Um, and in plays that I've done prior, King Lear especially, all of those were also there. So just drawing from at the core of, of both comedies and tragedies are these simple themes mm-hmm. that characters and audiences can relate to. Yeah. And how is it that you impart a sitcom feel to a Shakespeare play? I mean, there's no laugh track, I would assume. <gasps> there or? is. Oh. <laughs> there is. There is. We use it at appropriate times. Okay, I will judiciously. Say that. <laughs> yes, at, when, when we, uh, but throughout talking about it, we wanted to draw in all of those familiar aspects. So the, the, the music that plays as scene transitions happen, mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. very familiar 90s tunes, the laugh track that is there, but also this idea, and we make it very clear in our sort of study guide, living study guide at the beginning of the show, that you all are a live studio audience, you know, the audiences. So really leaning into that aspect of laugh when you think it's funny. Mm-hmm. Don't right, be afraid right. to have audible moments and, and really leaning into that aspect of the show. Mm-hmm. And how has that been for you? This is your first time touring. Um, and I, I would guess that it's the first time you've worked with a laugh track. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I, I will say this, that laugh track is used very sparingly. Mm-hmm. You have those moments that are like, ooh, mm-hmm. and ahs, you know, and those are there to really sort of encourage the audience to, you know, interact with us exactly. in the same way that the pre-recorded track is pushing it towards so you get that sort of like nudge towards the 90s live studio audience and hopefully the live audience that is there with us just gets caught up mm-hmm. and swept up in that and comes right along with mm-hmm. it and literally live someone pointed out that uh laugh tracks that as we hear them now mm-hmm. those people are no longer with us <laughs> no absolutely yeah. Yeah. so christina you were part of last year's shakespeare tour mm-hmm. which put on a midsummer night's dream and the 2021 main stage production of King Lear too, mm-hmm. which you mentioned a little earlier. And in both of these productions, the St. Louis Shakespeare Festival got a fair amount of attention for the way it used Afrofuturism, mm-hmm. in which features futuristic or science fiction themes that incorporate elements of black history yes. and culture. How is approaching Shakespeare from such different places 
Um, what's that been like for you as a performer? And did doing Shakespeare through an Afrofuturism lens bring something out in you that's actually been useful for what you're doing now with this sitcom sensibility production? Yeah, that's a loaded question, my goodness. Um, I think the fact that the past two years and the two productions I were in leaned very heavily into the Afrofuturism um, style was, was a big part of it, but at the heart of it, just going back to what we were saying earlier, both directors of both of those shows never wanted us to make it appear that that's all this show was going to be. And Shakespeare didn't want us to appear like that's all this was going to be. Um, so they really wanted us to lean into those aspects of heart and love and the themes at the core of what Shakespeare was writing. And so when we were coming into this production, Afrofuturism, 90s aesthetic, two very completely different <laughs> um, things to look at, we never wanted, again, to lose the, the, the meaning of what Shakespeare's words were. So even coming from a different style, the language, the, the way we're acting it, the way, at least for me as an actress, the way I'm acting, it's, it's still very similar um, feeling and, and the heart that's there, it's all the same. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Christina Yancey and Joel Moses, and we'll get to know what it's like to do Shakespeare in a park one day at a time for nearly 24 days in a row. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. Welcome back. We're talking today about the St. Louis Shakespeare Festival's touring production of The Merry Wives of Windsor. That tour kicked off this week, and we're joined today by two of its performers, Christina Yancey and Joel Moses. Now, Joel, this is a 90-minute version of Merry Wives of Windsor with a cast of only six people. Mm-hmm. To play 16, that's one six, 16 parts. Does that still feel like Shakespeare, like on the performer side? I think absolutely. You know, it is much more streamlined. Uh, you're going to see a reduced version of this play. A lot of the extraneous uh, subplots are removed. So you really get the heart of what this story is. Uh, but it certainly definitely does still feel like Shakespeare. You have that heightened language. You have these really vibrant characters uh, who are just being transported to a much more updated world. And it's just a lot more accessible this mm-hmm. way. Now, the tour began uh, Tuesday mm-hmm. on Cherokee Street here in St. Louis. And then last evening, you were in Edwardsville in southern Illinois, maybe for a, <laughs> a little less time than you had anticipated. How are you both feeling after the first two performances? Christina? Wonderful. The reception to the show is is has been amazing, um, especially at Cherokee. Like you said, Edwardsville kind of got cut short due to the rain, as it were, being an outdoor show. But uh, our opening, people were very grateful, and they kept saying, you know, Shakespeare like Shakespeare's language. Initially, growing up for them, it was it was something that was so hard to understand. But we've written it in 
condensed it in such a way that they're able to have fun and lean into the world that we're providing for them. Mm, I see. And since this is the first time you've been on this tour, um, how has it been for you to be on the stage doing what you're doing right now? It's very exciting to be in a different location every night with a different community and seeing how these different folks in these different areas respond to this play. Uh, last night, of course, was my first experience with a bit of a weather-related uh, issue. Uh, we made it about halfway through the play last night. I was going through a monologue that happens about halfway through the play, and I started to feel some rain coming down on me, and it just got a little bit heavier and heavier. Uh, and as soon as I finished that speech and got off stage, the stage management team called hold. Yeah. Uh, and then we just waited to see if things were going to get better. Mm-hmm. Well, we would like to dive into the special language of Shakespeare that you all have been talking about and sort of get a, a taste of what your characters sound like in the play. And I understand you're prepared to give us some Shakespeare right here in our studio. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so to set this scene up, Christina, um, your character... Mrs. Ford is having a discussion with her husband, Mr. Ford, played by you, Joel. Mm -hmm. And as with many scenes in this play, it involves a husband's suspecting infidelity of his wife with Falstaff. Mr. Ford also suspects that Falstaff is hiding in a laundry basket. Mm -hmm. Christina, Joel, take it away. What wife I say? Come, come see what honest clothes you send forth to bleaching. Ah, Mrs. Ford. Woo-hoo-hoo, Mrs. Ford, the honest woman, the modest wife, the virtuous creature that hath the jealous fool to a husband. I suspect without cause, my wife, do I? Heaven be my witness you do if you suspect me of any dishonesty. Well said, brazen face. Hold it out. Come forth, sirrah. Are you not ashamed? Let the clothes alone. I shall find you anon. Empty the basket, I say. Why, man, why? As I am a man, there was one conveyed out of my house yesterday in this basket. Why may not he be there again? Hmm? In my house, I am sure he is. My intelligence is true. My jealousy is reasonable. Pluck me out all the linen. Well, if you shall find a man there, he shall die a flea's death. All right, so (laughs) thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a first, at least for me, in in this studio. Now, (laughs) Joel, what is it that the characters are saying to each other in this scene? Yes, so this is the second time Mr. Ford has come home suspecting to find Falstaff involved with his wife. And I learned from Falstaff earlier in the play that he was carried out in the previous scene (laughs) in the laundry basket, which in this play we call a buck basket. Uh, So I've come home and I found the laundry basket once again out, and I'm prepared to jump right in there and start digging through it, trying to find Falstaff. Mm -hmm. Christina, what is your favorite part of this scene? The blocking wise, definitely Joel jumping in the basket and throwing the linen everywhere, and he he moves around in the buck basket across the stage so fiercely and angrily, um, and me being able to just really lean into the the idea that this is so ridiculous. Yeah. As, as the wife, just you're making a fool of yourself in front of our workers. Right. Our workers are there at the time, <laughs> so it's fun. 
So, you know, brazen face is something that definitely uh, it mm-hmm. stood out to me. How is it that you make this sort of vocabulary feel natural, Christina? It comes by really modern day delivery and, and looking back and understanding what these words meant back then and what are the words that we use today that are synonyms and very similar. Um, and just understanding the context and the definition of each word mm-hmm. and being able to mentally bring it to today's language. Mm-hmm. And is there any one part that's really, that's just been really fun for you to do? Oh my goodness, that particular scene inside the buck basket. I mean, it's just, it's so fun to get carried away physically with a performance on stage. And, you know, that is always my goal as an actor is to get lost in the material. So <laughs> Literally lost. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> now, Christina, you are practically a veteran of this tour already. What tips can you give to Joel to help him get through the next 20 shows? Water, <laughs> sunscreen, and don't be afraid to laugh on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, we had many moments where we were, we were, we broke, we could not help but break. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, you know, our directors were like, no, lean into that. That's the whole point of what this is. Yeah. And this year, even especially with it being a 90 sitcom and us having all these modern day references that we can all remember, mm-hmm. you know, really leaning into that, not being afraid to just have fun. Yeah. And how door. have audiences reacted when you you know, when you break from character and, and join with that laughter. They they lean into it. They love it. They laugh with us. It happened to me about three times at Cherokee. Then, you know, an audience brings another aspect. And so there were moments that we delivered lines slightly differently than we had been used to. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but break when, when, when it happened. <laughs> now, Joel, this is... Uh, like your third or fourth year living here mm-hmm. in St. Louis, you had mentioned earlier that you moved here from Chicago mm-hmm. and grew up in the Kansas City area. Is this tour giving you um, an opportunity to visit places that you haven't been to before? Absolutely. I was just talking to Christina about that before we started, that this has been just a lovely consequence of having this gig is being able to see different parts of the city, different parts of the region that I might not necessarily have been going to on my own accord. So mm-hmm. I look forward to seeing many more parks and many more communities as yeah. we go forward. Are there any in particular that you're really interested in in going to? Well, I'm a Tower Grove South resident, so I'm very excited for our Tower Grove Park performance just to to bring this free experience to my community there. Uh, but I mean, there's so many places that we're going to get to see. We're going as far as Herman, Missouri, on the Missouri side, oh. to a farm and winery out there. We've got about five more stops in Illinois, so it's really like we're going to see it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for you too, Christina, as someone who's a, an Alabama native, mm-hmm. what has it been like to be part of the, the touring productions? So immensely grateful to be able to do this, you know, in Al- not to, I grew up in Mobile, I'll say that, mm-hmm. and there was not a Shakespeare fest to tour and come to local neighborhoods and do Shakespeare. So for me, Shakespeare was watching, you know, old 60s movies with Olivia Hussey, and that's how I received, <laughs> you know, what I think, what I thought of as Shakespeare. And so to have 
communities come out with their children. I mean, yesterday we had people who had, you know, little, little kids who could still lean into it because it is just a funny show. Right, right. Um, And they're getting exposed to things and Shakespeare's language at such an early age. But Mm -hmm. in general, everyone's getting able to have Shakespeare be accessible to them. Yeah. Now, there's a great deal of variety across the, the parks that you're performing in. How do you get comfortable in a space that is not a stage, it could just be like a field of grass. We did a fair amount of rehearsing outdoors for the few days leading up to our opening, and we tried it out on a variety of different surfaces, concrete with uh, some shade over us. We tried it on some grass. We tried it in some unshaded areas. (laughs) So we really try to troubleshoot as many different scenarios as we can ahead of time so that we're prepared for any particular conditions once we arrive. Mm -hmm. Now, tonight you'll be at Ivory Perry Park in St. Louis. Tomorrow, you're heading to the Chesterfield Amphitheater. Mm -hmm. Saturday, you're at Carondelet Park. And then Sunday, you'll be at Jones Water Park in East St. Louis. Now, all of these shows, uh, past and forthcoming, are free. They all start at 6.30. What are you looking forward to this year, Christina, as you cover so much geography? The communities, going back to what Joel said earlier, seeing, you know, different people of all kinds of walks of life come as they are with one thing in mind, to have a good laugh, to enjoy Shakespeare, um, and to be with a group of actors who just want them to have fun. Mm-hmm. That's my. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking forward to mainly. Yeah. yeah. And for people who are coming to see you. Is there anything, Joel, uh, that you would recommend that they do to get the most out of the experience? You know, I think we set you up pretty strongly to be able to receive this play. We start each performance with a 10-minute, what we call our living study guide, where we're sort of explaining the various plot points and the characters that we play, uh, the concept of the 1990s sitcom. So we're really laying it all out for you at the beginning to have the easiest time with it. If you've never seen a Shakespeare play before, this is a great intro into Shakespeare's work. Christina Yancey and Joel Moses can be seen performing their many parts for the St. Louis Shakespeare Festival's touring production of The Merry Wives of Windsor. The tour runs until August 27th with 22 park performances remaining. We'll have a link to the full schedule on our website, stlonair.show. You can also find it at stlshakes.org. This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski. With audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. 
Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.